so I, I, what I'm going to do today, I, I really am I'm just going to pick up in the same area of Scripture that, that Nathan's been um, in for the last couple of weeks in, in Matthew 6, and really, you know, just sort of going back to the beginning of this, at the beginning of Matthew 6, you know, Jesus just frames this out almost as like a three-part, or depending on how you look at it, maybe he's thinking of this as like a four-part message series. It's not exactly, you know, sure. You know, but he frames this out, again, sort of with a, a call, a warning, you know, a call to pay attention uh, to, the, to the disciples. Be careful. I think that, you know, Nathan's talked a little bit about this over the last couple of weeks. This, the language in the original is take heed, right? He's trying to get their attention um, for what's coming after this. You know, that you don't do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen. And if you do, that there's, you know, no reward from our Father in, in heaven. And so all three of these is, you know, Nathan's talked about giving and what that looks like and prayer and what that looks like. And today, he, you know, Jesus is, is going to move into a, a, another area in, in talking about fasting. But I think it's really interesting here, you know, throughout the New Testament, when you, when you read in the Gospels, you know, there's a handful of places where Jesus says the same thing more than once. You know, verily, verily, I say unto you, you know, truthfully, truthfully, I tell you. You know, and so when Jesus is, you know, when he says something once, obviously that should perk up our ears because it's, you know, literally the, the king of glory trying to, you know, have a conversation with us. You know, like we just, we just worshiped and talked about, you know, knowing him, right? I know who goes before me. The way that happens is God has things he wants to say to us and um, that we need to have ears to hear, and he wants to hear from us, and, and we know that he has ears to hear, and there's that sort of back and forth. And so when Jesus, you know, is, is teaching, when he's doing this ministry, right, there's, a, there's common pieces throughout what he talks about with giving and what he talks about with prayer and what he's going to talk about with fasting. And, and I think what you see here is almost, is, is just his, his heart sort of overflowing to the disciples the same way that when you look at, if you're a parent, when you look at one of your kids, or maybe you've got a, a, a grandchild, or you've got a, a relative or a friend, where you're just like, man, I just wanna, I just wanna see you get this, right? Like we have things right now, I've got four kids, and they're all in different stages of getting it, you know, or not getting it, right? The same way that I'm, I'm in my own stage of getting it or not getting it, so are all of you. But Jesus is, he wants, he wants his disciples to, to get this, right, what he's talking about here. And, and I think you just see his heart come out, right, when like a, you know, he just, he wants to see them get it. And if you, you know, what we're going to talk about today, if you look back all the way in Scripture, all the way into, I think all the way back into Genesis, you see that same heart of God having us. A design, a plan, right? A way of doing things that we seem to have this great knack for sort of twisting and distorting and, and making it into something that it's not necessarily supposed to be that way. We, and not even necessarily on purpose, maybe sometimes, but we, there, there's this sort of, you know, twisting that happens. And so as I was getting ready for this week, I had Nathan's voice in the back of my head over and over and over again. And, and some of you guys have heard 
you know, him say this as well, you know, generally this is in the form of, of other things, but that the proper response to misuse is not disuse, but right use. Okay, we think about that a lot of times in things like spiritual gifts and, right, like somebody, you, most of us have had an experience where something went sideways and it didn't work the way that it should have and now we're just sort of like, no thanks, right? And I think Jesus is, I think there's a similar heart here when he's talking about giving and prayer and fasting that what he's addressing, and, and we've already looked at a couple of these, is he's not saying, listen, you know what, if you guys can't give right, just stop. Right? That's not what he's saying, is it? Right? We've already looked at that. He's saying, listen, if, Tim, if you can't pray right, like, just shut it down. Right? That's, not what he's, that's not what he's saying. And he's not going to say that here, just to forecast like five minutes into the future here. That's not what he's going to talk about with fasting either. He is not interested in turning things off right, that have been in his heart going back. And we're going to look, we're going we're to camp out here in Matthew 6, but there's a couple of sort of areas that I want to branch into other portions of Scripture. Like, his heart around fasting has been his heart around fasting for generations before Jesus is having this conversation. He's not looking to turn anything off, but he is interested in, in redeeming where his people are at and seeing those, those things that have gotten sort of twisted or manipulated made right, right? To, to be made conformed to the heart of God, to the heart of the Father. And, and I think that's, um, I think that, again, goes all throughout um, all of Scripture. So this is a pretty short passage today, um, three verses, um, but I think it's really loaded and it, it really sort of builds off of where we've been the last couple of weeks. So I'm going to read this today. I want to go through this really with a couple of different lenses. And um, this, is, this is how I um, what I'm reading or studying, this is just how I go through a passage. Um, and, and so I want to just read it. I want to read it and sort of tease out what some of these specific words mean. And then I want to talk about some of the, the concepts that are, that are in here. And so, again, it's only three verses. This is not a super long passage, but there's a, there's a lot in here. So we're in Matthew 6 and verse 16, 16, 17, and 18 today. So this is Jesus talking again with the disciples, and he says, when you, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men their fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to men that you're fasting but only to your Father who's unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Right? And there's, there's a lot of similar structures here. When you, if you look back across this whole chapter, right, when you do this thing, right, when you give, when you pray, when you fast. Like I said, God's not, he, Jesus is not turning anything off here. Right? He's trying to correct. He's trying to adjust. He's trying to, to reorient them. And so he's talking about, right, when you fast, right, in this case he's talking about when you, fa- when you abstain from food, right, and I know we started this year, we've done this the last couple of years here at New Life, Most, many of you have done this in, in some way, shape, or form of starting out together um, the year fasting, 
of abstaining from something to, to be able to, to pull back in some area so that you can make more space for the Lord to, to fill in, right, to speak in a new way or things like that. And so Jesus here is talking to them about fasting, right, abstaining from food. But he has the same warning that he had about giving and that he had about prayer, right, that the way that you go about it matters, and this is really hard. Like, I've been wrestling with this as, we've, as I've been getting ready for this. Like, the way in which we go about things actually matters. Like, not on a salvation level. Like, if I fast wrong, like, I'm done. Like, Jesus is going to be done with me. Like, not that way. But that the way that we go about things does actually matter. Because I think, you know, there's sort of a balance in this, right? Come as you are, exactly as you are. But, but the way in which we go about things matters. And again, he's not just sort of leaving the disciples out there on his own. He's not just sort of, you know, listen, figure this out. He's going to teach them. He's going to train them. He's going to equip them. He's going to disciple them. He's going to do what's best for them. So he says, don't look somber. Don't look gloomy. Don't look mournful. Don't have a sad countenance. One of the running jokes in our house, you know, we'd just be sitting around in the living room or at the dining room table. My wife's smiling because she knows exactly where this is going to go. My kids, the running joke with me is, Dad, why do you look so upset? Like, are you like, angry about something? Are you? Let's say no. Dad just has resting grumpy face, which is really true. They're not wrong. But that's what he's talking about. Like, don't, don't make yourself have this sort of countenance where you look you know, sad and, and gloomy and um, don't go out of your way. Right, to put on this grumpy face while you're doing this. That's what the hypocrites do. And again, Nathan's talked about this over the last couple of weeks. This, these, the, the picture here is as, a, as an actor, right? a, somebody who's on stage performing. Right? Don't, don't act the way that they do. You know, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about this, but I don't know about you, but we, I think we all know if we were going to sit down in a living room together and um, and talk about this, I think all of us would say, you know what, like, can we just, I think one of the things that all of us long for and hunger for more than anything else is just some sort of genuine connection. Like, beyond just, you know, my immediate family, maybe even within my immediate family, but I want to have an opportunity to feel like I don't have to have my guard up or I've got to put on some sort of a show when I sit down and have, you know, a cup of coffee or a meal or or whatever. I want to be able just to. And so as much as we all say, right, that's what we want, we all go through this routine. Let's be honest with ourselves. We all have a, a tendency towards this play-acting sort of dynamic. It's why I shaved today. Not because I wanted to, but because I wanted to present to all of you a certain way. We do that all the time on all sorts of different levels. Tell me I'm wrong. You ever do that? I dress a certain way. I speak a certain way. If I'm a really good actor, I, I, I can do that differently with different groups of people. So that at work, I can do that one way. I can act. I can play one role while I'm at work, and I can play a different role while I'm here, and I can play a different role. While I'm, like some of, some of us, I'm really talented in this regard. I'm probably too talented. 
But if we're going to put cards on the table, you all are pretty good at it too. Right? Whether you're here, whether you're online, we're good at this. And Jesus is saying, that's not, that's not the way I want you to operate. Not with each other, and certainly not with our Father. And that's what he's getting at here, at the core of it. That's what he's been getting at, talking about giving and talking about prayer and talking about fasting. He's going to talk about it in the next part of his sermon, talking about storing up treasures in heaven, is can we just put cards on the table, at least with, the, at least with, with our Father and, and, and you know, all the more about, you know, with, with each other? Don't act. Don't pretend. Don't play a role. And this next part of this, right, for they disfigure their faces to show men that they're fasting, right? This morning I was talking with Chaz and and Rob, right? So there's, you know, all these lights over here, but there's two spotlights. If you guys can't see it, they're like blindingly bright when you actually look up there. But there's two spotlights. And the picture here, in terms of talking about the, the language here, to show men that they're fasting, literally the picture would be if we brought down all of the lights except for those two so that they could spotlight themselves in front of everybody else. That's what Jesus, that's the picture here. It's like one of the most dramatic things in theater, right? Where so, you completely dark stage and all of a sudden that spotlight comes out and there's one person, right? What are you going to focus on? Whatever that spotlight's shining on. Right? Nobody's looking around for what's happening in other places. You're looking at what that spotlight is on. And Jesus is saying, listen, these, they're, they're, these guys are going out of their way to put the spotlight on themselves, on what they're doing. Don't do that. Don't do that. They've received their reward. This is the same, same principle that shows up in, in the other areas. If you're taking notes, if you write in your Bible, if you write in your journal, one of the things I would encourage you today, one of the thoughts to go back and maybe reflect on is this. I'm fully convinced of this. If you look at the context that Jesus sets at the beginning of chapter 6, righteous acts, there is a reward for righteous acts. It will come in one of two forms. It will either come from men or it will come from the Lord. You get to choose. But righteous acts will have a reward, right? The same way that sin has a wage that will be paid. It is unequivocal, right? There's no way around it. I believe that what Jesus is saying here is that righteous acts will have a reward. The question is, where are they going to come from? All three of these sections have this exact same structure to it. Go back and look at it. There will be a reward for righteous acts. And he's saying if the... The issue here is the, 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 the hypocrites, they're, they're going to get their reward in full. It's going to come quick, it's going to come in full, and it's going to come from men. And Jesus is saying, don't be like them. Don't go down that same road. And so he reiterates here, but when you fast, put oil on your head. Literally, it's the word anoint. Anoint your head. This is not like a little dabble, like a little dabble, do you? Some of you have been anointed before, right, for healing or things like that, like a little bit of oil, right? This is not that picture. This is a anoint your head with oil. Cleanse your face. Wash. Don't draw attention to, right, this is sort of a a normal care and maintenance uh, sort of routine here so that it won't be obvious. This is the exact same word as show from earlier in the text with the word not attached, Turn the spotlight off, dude. Our little guy in our family, he's got a, you know, 
somebody does something that's just, you know, he always says, turn your headlights on, dude. Jesus is saying, turn the headlights off. Right? Don't make this obvious. Right? This is not about acting or performing or, or drawing attention to. Turn the, turn the spotlight off. Not turn the act off. Turn the spotlight off. You see what I'm saying? Turn the spotlight off. Turn your headlights off, dude. He'll be super happy I worked that in. But only your father who's unseen. I think this is really, right? This is Jesus talking, right? The visible manifestation of an unseen God talking about his unseen father, who he has seen. It speaks to audience the same way that our giving speaks to audience. Greg, you know, we talked about giving, right? You can give to the church or you can give to the Lord. It looks an awful lot the same, right? There's a very different motivation on the inside around who your audience is. Very different. Right? On the surface, on the outward side, it looks pretty similar. Right? I'm still going to log in. I'm still going to go to Tithely. I'm still going to type in a number and send, you know, a very different audience. And the Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Yeah, there will be a reward. There will be a reward. So what is he, what's, the, what's some of the, the context here? So I want to just hold your place here. I want you to flip over uh, in your Bible to Luke chapter 18. So as you're turning there, I want to give you just a little bit of context. At, the, at this time, right, when Jesus is having this conversation, it's common practice, right? There were fasts that were, were prescribed, right? The Day of Atonement, right, for the whole nation of Israel was a day of fasting, right? That's not what he's talking about here. Right? He's talking about sort of a self-initiated um, fasting, right, a choice, right, a, um, something that an individual or a family or a, right, would say, I'm gonna, today I'm going to fast you know, unto the Lord. And so it was, it was fairly common, among, particularly among the Pharisees, this group of you know, what Jesus is sort of calling out as hypocrites here, it was fairly common for them to fast twice a week, generally on Mondays and Thursdays. Right? So twice a week they would fast. And that was, a, that was an outward right, status symbol, right, to fast twice a week. And we know that right, because of this cross-reference in, in Luke 18. And so this is the parable right, of the Pharisee and the tax collector. There's two, the two of them are going into the temple to pray. And just, so listen to this. Right? To some who were confident, this is Luke 18 starting in verse 9, to some who were confident of their own righteousness, you could read that as, to some who were self-righteous, and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector, right? This is like literally opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of righteousness, you know, top and bottom. And the Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself, sort of telling it in and of itself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers and evildoers, adulterers, 
even this guy on my right here, this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even look up to heaven and beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Both of those men got a reward, right, in that parable. One got seen, and one got heard. And so this is the dynamic that Jesus is talking about here. This is what he's teaching on, is, is this picture of, I mean, that's literally the picture of the spotlight that I was talking about earlier. One of the commentaries that I, I like to use when I'm, I'm putting a message together said, said this, and I th- just, this seemed super accurate, seemed super appropriate, it really resonated. It says, a, a hypocrite has always a difficult part to play. When he wishes to appear penitent or religious, not having any actual godly sorrow at heart, he's obliged to counterfeit it the best he can. I can't think of a single act, a single interaction where Jesus would say, I'm okay with you counterfeiting something. But we do it all the time. Again, let, we, let's be honest with ourselves. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be heavy, but we, different circles are more, more or less prone to it, but we, we do this fairly regularly. And so he's, he, again, he's trying to put things right as he's discipling, as he's teaching. So in verse 17, he says, when you fast, he's not telling them, listen, you've got to do this on Monday and Thursday. That's not his direction. You've got to do this twice a week, once a week, three times a week. We like formulas like that, don't we? It would be easier for me if you just told me, right, I knew God was going to listen if I fasted on Monday. I would probably be more apt to fast on Monday. It doesn't work like that, though. He doesn't tell them when or how often, but he does tell them when you fast, right? As often as you do it, when you fast, when you give, when you pray. The practice here, this idea of this sort of disfiguring that Jesus is coming against, like literally they would go and there were some who would put ashes on their face to sort of accentuate, right? If you fast for a day, if you go 24 hours, I mean, I'm pretty, my face is pretty full, right? I'm a little hard. It takes a couple of days before you notice, right? Where, like, but if you're fasting, like, you know, things, even for a day or so, they're going to thin out a little bit. And so the, the, these folks that Jesus is coming against, they would take ashes and put them on their face to sort of accentuate the look. Right? It literally is a picture of stage makeup. This is a full-on production, folks. Spotlights, stage makeup, high-quality actors. Jesus is saying no. Anointing is a picture of celebration, right, of hope, of, of a whole number of different things. He's saying anoint your, anoint your head, wash your face, go on about your day, right? Don't put, don't put on the outward form. A couple of times this week I used the term, some of you guys have heard this before, clouds without rain. Do you know what that means? Cloud without rain is something that has form but no substance, right? Cloud without rain takes up a whole bunch of space. There's nothing in it. I don't want to be that 
type of person. Right? I'd rather be a small cloud with some substance than a big cloud with no rain in it. So that it's not obvious. It's not obvious. I haven't fully studied this out. This was sort of, this was like Friday night, Saturday morning sort of prep. I honestly believe that what Jesus is directing these guys to do, and again, this isn't sort of fully baked, but I want to share it. Maybe this is something that, that you all would consider diving into. If you read through the Gospels, Jesus is not just directing the disciples to do this, to, to give in secret, to pray in secret, to fast in secret. He operated a fair amount in secret, right? Not in darkness, right? Not in sin. I'm not, that's not what I'm talking about. But he did a fair number of things that would, that would fall into that righteous acts category that he did in secret. Matthew 8, 3 and 4, he, he heals a man of leprosy and tells him, his direction after he heals the man specifically is, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. I've never understood that, right? I don't get it. Like, Jesus, if you just did that, would that not bring glory to your name? Would that not exalt you? Would that not lift you up? Why in the world would he do that? I believe that Jesus is, was operating in exactly the same thing that he's telling the disciples here, that not every righteous act has to be done to be seen. Right? It was enough for him that that man was healed unto the, unto the Father. Right? God saw it. That man saw it. And he, Jesus, from all appearances, and again, I've got to dive into this more, said, I'm okay with that being enough. If nobody else knows about this, I'm good. Matthew 9, he heals a blind man. Same thing. Do not tell anybody. Matthew 12, there's a whole bunch of people that get healed. Listen, guys, don't tell anybody. Mark 5, there's a girl raised from the dead. His direction to her is, like, that one's going to get out. (laughs) All of these are going to get out. But I honestly believe that Jesus is operating in exactly the same thing that he's asking his disciples to operate in, which is not every righteous act needs to be done in front of people so that other people see it and know about it. The heart of God is not moved by whether something is done publicly or privately. Mark 7, he heals a blind and mute man. Don't tell anybody. The disciples come to the realization that Jesus is the Christ, that he is the Messiah. The light bulbs finally start going off. You know what his direction to them was? Don't tell anybody yet. I've never understood this. I think there's a connection here. I don't know. But what I do know is that Jesus had an absolute fix. His gaze on his Father. That even though he was unseen, right? Jesus said, I only do that which I see my Father doing. And I believe that for all of those righteous acts that Jesus did publicly, for all of those righteous acts that he did quietly behind the scenes, that even the ones that were seen the people that saw them were not his audience. That every time he healed somebody, that every time he ministered to somebody, every time he raised somebody from the dead, that the audience was first and foremost for his father who was unseen. And that because of that, he was rewarded. He's literally been given the name above every other name, that by his name and his name alone can men be saved. That seems like a pretty outstanding reward. 
I think what Jesus is asking here is nothing more than to say, follow me and do what I do, the way that I do it. I think God has a preferred form of, of fasting. And this is, what I want, this is what I want to sort of wind down with here. If you go all the way back in the Old Testament, this is a conversation that God had been having with his people for quite some time. If you go back to, into Isaiah 58, back in the Old Testament, and I'm going to read this. This is a little bit long, but just sort of close your eyes and listen to this. Right? In my Bible, maybe yours is similar, the header for this chapter in Isaiah is called True Fasting. That this, this idea of fasting is something that had been on God's heart, that he had been trying to communicate to his people literally for hundreds of years. And this is what God says through the prophet Isaiah. This is God speaking. This is his direction. Shout it aloud. Do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the house of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager. Listen to the, listen to the words here. They seem eager to know my ways as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. They say, why have we, why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you've not noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all of your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for a man to humble himself? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying on sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? This is God talking. Is this not what I've chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe him and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then, right, this is the reward. Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. He'll cry for help and he'll say, here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing of fingers and malicious talk, if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness. Your night will become like noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame You'll be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will rise up, will raise up age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way, 
and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord and I will cause you to ride on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. That's what God is looking for, right? That every single principle and concept that Jesus is talking about in Matthew is in that scripture from Isaiah hundreds of years before. That sounds like a pretty good reward to me. My guess is if we went around the room, if we went around, you know, if we had conversation afterward, that all of us could benefit from some portion of that promise. Right? Frame strengthened, joy found. You're calling out for the Lord to answer. Man, I'll take that any day of the week. So as Jules comes up, and we're going to wind down here and, and close with a song, I want to ask you, just as we're worshiping, to, to just sort of reflect, just you and the Lord. Father, is there some part of, of my life where I'm acting, where I'm putting on stage makeup, and I'm longing for a spotlight? And maybe there's something that jumps super quick. And maybe there's not. That's okay. I'm not... But my question is, from Isaiah to Matthew, this is clearly in the heart of God. And if we can catch this, if we can grab a hold of this, right, this is exactly what we need right now. Right? Not just between us and the Lord, but even with us and each other. I want to say this, I felt like this was one of the, the first notes that I jotted down for myself getting ready for this. If you are in a place right now that is unseen, where you feel tucked away and hidden and maybe like nobody else is seeing you, what you're doing or what you need, I want you to know right, that your unseen father sees into the secret place and into the hidden place and that if that is where you are today that's exactly where he's looking is there he says it right when you give right i'm going i'm looking for the unseen thing when you pray i'm looking for the unseen thing when you fast, I'm looking for the unseen thing. If today, if you are the unseen thing, then know that God has got his eyes squarely on you. So as we worship, just be honest with him. Lord, I'm that, I'm that, that's where I'm at. Lord, I am the unseen thing. Lord, I don't have the energy anymore. I don't have the interest anymore to do this play-acting thing. I, 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 want, I, I need to wind down the show. Just do business with him. Just be honest with him. Amen. Lord, your word says that, that this is eternal life, that they would know you, the Father and Jesus Christ whom you sent. Lord, today that, that we would know you 
Lord, without makeup, without masks, without the need for a, a spotlight or a stage, Lord, or any sort of platform. Lord, that you'd show us those places where where there's part of our character. Lord, that, that we need to just set aside. Lord, to lay those down that we would fully know you, Lord, even as you fully know us. Lord, that we would lay hold of eternal life in doing that. Lord, that we would lay hold of being made more and more like Jesus. Lord, whose ongoing focus was fixed on you. Lord, not on what others thought or continue the work that you've started in each one of us. Lord, draw us close. Make us more like you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You are dispersed. Go and be the church.